Well, I want to welcome everybody to today's Entrepreneur Show. My name is Heidi Richards Mooney. I'm the founder of Women in E-Commerce and your host of today's show, where we interview smart, savvy women who use online channels to promote their business. I'm delighted to welcome our special guest today, Allison Shapira, founder of Global Speak Public Speaking. Global Public Speaking is a communication training firm that helps people speak with confidence and authenticity. A former opera singer and TEDx speaker, Allison delivers keynote speeches, workshops, and executive communication coaching for Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations around the world. She is an adjunct lecturer at the Harvard Kennedy School, a member of the National Speakers Association, and was a finalist for 2017 Women Business Owner of the Year by the National Association of Women Business Owners, the San Diego chapter. Allison is also an internationally renowned singer and songwriter. We must talk a little bit about that, Allison. And she lives in Washington, D.C. So please join me in welcoming Allison, Allison to our show today. Thank you for being here, Allison. It's my pleasure, Heidi. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I'm delighted. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you first got interested in public speaking, and what experience led, that, led you to that? Well, my first career aspiration was as an opera singer. Ever since I was 12, I wanted to study opera. I took voice lessons. I went to a performing arts high school and then went to college for vocal performance. But as I talk about in my book, I lost my passion for singing in college and was actually told that I wasn't good enough. So I wound up in the field of diplomacy working for the consulate of Israel instead. And I found out on literally my first day on the job that I was expected to give speeches on behalf of a foreign government and a very challenging time in the Middle East. And I had never given a speech before. So I had to figure out how to speak in public. And I soon realized that everything I learned as an opera singer actually made me a very good public speaker. And so I was able to translate those musical skills for a professional, a different professional purpose. Wow. So why, and obviously you shared a little bit about why it's important, but why else is public speaking important? And how can it position someone as say a thought leader and industry expert? Public speaking is critical. And let me define public speaking for people who are joining us. Public speaking is not just standing on stage, reading from a script, at a lectern in front of a large audience. It's anytime you speak with one or more people with some goal. So speaking up on a conference call or walking into a room for a meeting, whether you're on the agenda or not, and certainly speaking in front of a larger audience. So public speaking is something we do every single day. And learning the skills of public speaking mean you can express yourself with confidence, competence, and authority every single day. So to move into positions of leadership, to become a thought leader, you have to be able to communicate your thoughts intellectually, clearly, and concisely. And you can't do that without public speaking. And it's interesting how you define it because I think that the world thinks of public speaking as being on a stage so it's nice that you can define it in such a way that people can now relate and say oh well I'm already doing that so now I just have to figure out how I can 
move into for those people who for instance want to i do public speak professional speaking i'm a i'm a former member of nsa but i'm on the board of the florida speakers chapter and i'm i've been i was very involved for many many years and i know that i was so terrified however i was speaking before a group all the time but the thought of people paying me made it a big difference i think that was my um um fear, I guess. So let's talk about the, in addition to the obvious fear of public speaking, uh, uh, just the fear of speaking itself, what are some of the challenges we face when speaking in public? And, and how can we overcome those challenges? A lot of the challenges come from not having done it very often. So public speaking is a skill. It is not a talent. It is a skill. And with practice and feedback, everyone can get better. But if you haven't had a lot of practice or received a lot of feedback, you're going to feel uncomfortable speaking in public. Once we define it as a skill, then all of a sudden it becomes something that we can approach, something that we can start to learn how to do comfortably. So part of overcoming the fear of public speaking is recognizing it's something that you can do well, even if you don't already do it well. Other ways that you can overcome your fear have to do with how you can pinpoint what those fears are. So are you afraid that you won't get to the venue on time? Okay, get to the venue early. Are you afraid that you don't know anyone in the audience? Get there early and meet people in the audience. And then you're speaking to familiar faces. So the more you can individuate the specific fear, the more you can look at strategies to overcome that particular fear. And in the book, I walk people through those different situations and then offer suggestions for how to overcome those specific fears. Excellent. So I want to break down some of the components of speaking. So uh, let's talk. So I'm going to talk about some different strategies. But first, before I do that, I don't want to forget this. You've mentioned early on that um, that a lot of the skills or a lot of the things that you learn from opera singing translated to speaking. So can you elaborate on a couple of those things first? Absolutely. The most important skill that I learned as a singer that helps me in public speaking is being able to breathe effectively. So as singers, especially as opera singers, we have to learn how to produce sound in a way that commands the room. And we can be singing in front of thousands of people. How do we use our breathing to project our voice? So when I started speaking, I realized that same vocal production was critical in public speaking, but nobody ever teaches us how to use our voice. We know in a professional or personal setting that we can tell a lot from someone's voice. We can tell how they feel about themselves, about others, about their material, and yet we never really teach people how to affect the sound of their voice. So breathing was a critical technique that I could then use for my own speaking and to help others with their speaking. So in your book, do you, do you give exercises on breathing that people can learn to do that? Because I think, I mean, we only have an hour or less. So when you think about it, we can't go over everything, but I think that's, a, that's one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about that. And uh, um, really great point, thank you. Um, anything yeah. else? We do have, uh, in the book, there is a section on how to breathe, teaching those techniques. And then I refer to a page on my website 
globalpublicspeaking.com where people can watch a video of me demonstrating those breathing techniques as well. Excellent. So let's talk about um, uh, a couple of other techniques. One of the things in your, uh, one of the blog posts, you talk about the power of the pause. Can you elaborate? Yes, I'm tempted to pause so that that can sink in, but I know we don't have a lot of time. People are very uncomfortable with silence mm -hmm. and they feel the need to fill every moment, every second with some sort of sound. And if we have nothing to say, then we fill it with fillers like, um, ah, you know, like, or so. And the effect that those fillers and all those random words have is that they reduce the impact of our message. So what I tell people to do is to cut away all that excess filler so that everything you say has impact. And the silence in between the words is what lets that message sink in. And it lets people catch up to what you're saying so that if they have questions, they can jump in. And it gives you an opportunity to connect with people on a much deeper level. So pausing is incredibly powerful when we're speaking so that we give people time to catch up or ask questions. And it's also powerful so that we can remind ourselves of what we're going to say next. So when I work with people on their pausing, what they tell me most frequently is that by slowing down and pausing more, they're more present, and they're calmer because they have time to think of what the next thing is that they'd like to say. So think about that pause just then. And you did it earlier a little bit just before you went into the, the topic. Um, and, and it is very powerful because it also, I think it makes the audience listen more attentively because they're waiting for that next part, right? Would you agree? Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. It creates momentum and anticipation. Excellent. Wonderful. And I'm sure we could talk about the power of the pause for a whole uh, program. So let's talk a little bit about reading a room. Exactly what is that and how does it work? Just as we're communicating with our audience, our audience is communicating with us while we speak. And this is whether you're speaking to a huge crowded auditorium or you're in a conference room with five other people. Now we pick up on subtle movements that people in our audience make their body language, their facial expressions, what they're doing. Sometimes that can be misleading, and I'll share an example of that. The very first time I ever gave a speech in public, I was speaking in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I was just becoming familiar with this topic myself, and in the back of the room, there was this man leaning back with his arms crossed with this huge frown on his face, and he looked so unhappy and so pleasant, unpleasant and so mean throughout the speech I'm thinking oh my god he hates me I'm terrible I don't know what I'm talking about I'm a fraud why am I even here it was second-guessing myself throughout the entire presentation after the presentation he walks up to me with this same grumpy frown on his face and he takes my hand and he shakes it and he goes young lady that was a terrific speech <laughs> And I'm sure that's happened to a few of us. Oh my God. I'm like, what? You, you couldn't have shown me? So I, I share that story to demonstrate we're not always picking up on accurate body language. And when you're in the audience and your friends are speaking or pitching, use active listening techniques so that you reinforce your engagement. 
Now, there are other things that people do with their body that really does show detachment. Um, being on their phones, using their devices, not paying attention, falling asleep. <laughs> These are all signs that your audience is, in, is disengaged. And what I do when I see that frequently is that I'll pause and then I'll ask the audience a question. And it could be in a meeting or a conference. I'll pause and I'll say, let me stop here. Who here has dealt with this? Who here has found this to be effective? What questions do you have? And by opening it up to the audience, and this is whether it's a pitch or presentation or a speech, when you open it up to your audience, then they actively engage more. And you make sure that what you're talking about is in line with what they came to hear. So those are some techniques to reading the room, but also to not get too caught up in what the room is telling you. Because those crossed arms could mean the room is cold. Or the frown could be when they realize that they forgot to turn the AC off when they left their apartment or something. We have no idea what's going through their minds. So not to read too much into what they're saying. So it could have nothing to do with us as speakers. It could be something that they're dealing with. Right. We never know what people are dealing with. Wow, that's really good. So let's talk about speaking opportunities. What are some ways to find them? And, and when do you recommend pursuing those opportunities? And, and conversely, when might it be a good time not to pursue a speaking opportunity? I know, three questions in one. You can <laughs> speaking, handle oppor <laughs> speaking opportunities, you could look at those very broadly. So one speaking opportunity could be as simple as speaking up at a conference and asking a question. In fact, that's one of my marketing techniques for entrepreneurs is I always go to conferences and ask the first question. I come prepared. I have my questions. I wait for them to open it up. And then I raise my hand high and I have a one sentence introduction of who I am and what I do. And then I ask the question. And in doing so, I'm, I'm, letting everyone in the room know who I am and what I do. So from a networking perspective, the right people then come to me. It's always the right time for that kind of speaking opportunity. A lot of people wait until they feel ready, but we'll never feel ready. We will always feel like there's more work to do. So simply get out there and start speaking. Start speaking up more in meetings, ask questions on conference calls. You can come to every meeting prepared to speak up. That's the easier way to ease into it. It can still be fairly high stakes when you're speaking in front of a high-level audience, but it's easy to do that because you don't have to sign up in advance. As you become more comfortable, if you're part of an association that's planning a conference, you can volunteer to introduce a speaker. So you don't have to prepare a whole presentation. You're simply reading a one-minute introduction. Or you can moderate a panel instead of speaking on a panel. So there are different ways to ease into speaking opportunities. And then when you do feel more comfortable, you can apply for or request a larger speaking opportunity, such as actually being the keynote speaker or speaking on a panel as well. Now, you had asked, when shouldn't you speak? And I would say, if you really don't care about the subject, you probably shouldn't be speaking about it. Mm -hmm. And there are people who feel like they have to get up to speak because this is an opportunity that they have to take advantage of, but they're really tired in what they're doing and they're fatigued and they really lost their passion. 
if you've lost your passion and can't connect with that authentic drive that drove you to do what you do, it's going to be very hard to give a compelling presentation. So my book walks you through activities that you can use to reconnect with that passion. But if you're really not interested at all in the subject, probably better to let someone else give the speech. Uh, what And uh, yes, what is the name of that book? Because I, I don't want to forget to ask it later. Thank you for asking. The name of my <laughs> new book is Speak with Impact, How to Command the Room and Influence Others. And we could get it at globalpublicspeakingcorrect.com, correct? Globalpublicspeaking.com has a link. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all major book retailers. And we'll ask again at the end, but I wanted to put that little plug in there since you mentioned it. Um, so, um, all right. What is the first thing that you recommend someone do when they get booked to speak? When you get booked to speak or invited to speak and you accept it, the first thing I recommend people do is look at their calendar, not only put the speech on their calendar, but work backwards and block off chunks of time to practice. Because what people usually do is they accept the speaking opportunity. They don't worry about it because it's six months in advance. They put it on their calendar. I'll worry about it later. They promptly block it from their minds. And then about a week in advance, they see it on their calendar and they oh freak God. out. <laughs> they freak out. Uh -huh. And maybe they strategically get sick, or they <laughs> delegate it to somebody else, or they pull an all-nighter the day before, the night before. And none of those situations is preferable. So when you put the speech on your calendar, work backwards and block off specific chunks of time to prepare and practice. And the more time you spend is a function of how new the material is to you and how important the occasion is. So the newer the material, the more important the occasion, the more time you spend preparing. And I recommend preparing in chunks of time as opposed to all at once, because writing is an iterative process. It's something that we continuously polish and improve. We can't just sit down and get it all finished and perfect the night before. Right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how you got your training. You, you mentioned that you had to speak as part of your job um, in Israel, but what did, what did you do to, be, to become a polished professional speaker? Did you take courses? Did you do Toastmasters? Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you would recommend people would do if they want to get better at speaking. Sure. So when I started my job at the Israeli consulate, it was in Boston, by the way, I joined Toastmasters. That was the first thing that I did was join Toastmasters, which I recommend to everybody and use that to, to learn the skills and also to recognize all the similarities between speaking and singing. So Toastmasters was a critical part of that. I then had the opportunity to work at Harvard University, where I studied with David Gergen, who has been a an advisor to four different US presidents and teaches public speaking. So I got to work with him on a course on public speaking. So I learned from his experience and, and he's been a terrific mentor. I then started to give speeches and through Toastmasters, people would come to me for coaching and I started charging them money and I, I started this business almost by accident. Somebody asked for help. I said, sure, that'll be 50 bucks an hour. And, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I was an entrepreneur. That was it. 
Wow. So it started with Toastmasters and then it became almost an apprenticeship learning from others. And then I started to teach it myself and I have since become a voracious reader and I'm always reading books on public speaking and starting with Dale Carnegie and, and all of these books to see what's changed, what's constant, constantly learning. And then after 15 years of working with clients, I've started to see what works and what doesn't. And that's how I've developed my own methodology. So I've really dived into the field of public speaking completely. And how long before you were able to quit your day job and become a full-time entrepreneur? I taught public speaking for 10 years on the side and was always afraid of going full-time. Always afraid of having coaching or consulting be my sole source of income. And I remember people saying that as a consultant, you eat what you kill. And I always found that such a vulgar description of, of consulting, and it always turned me off. And then after 10 years, I had actually been offered a job in Washington, D.C. in a separate consulting field and accepted that job, turned down the job that I had at Harvard and within three days at that new job, I had this very strong gut reaction that it was not the right fit for me. Wow. So I wound up leaving after three days. But I had already given notice on my old job and on all my, my apartment. So I found myself in limbo, did some traveling with my guitar around Europe, and decided to move to Washington, D.C. by myself without the job to take this side business and see if I could support myself full time with it. And I just started meeting with people, two people a day, every single day, to see how my skills would be valuable in Washington, DC. And in the first year, I had 35 clients. Excellent, excellent. So you talk about two people a day, was that kind of part of your strategy? Yes, yes, I call it the two cups of coffee strategy. Oh, love it, love it. Let's talk about your top five tips in public speaking for women entrepreneurs, because you are one, and we all are. <laughs> all of us. <laughs> top, top five tips. The first is pause and breathe. Mm -hmm. And this is part of my methodology. It's almost, it's a philosophy. Pause and breathe before you walk into a speaking situation, because pausing and breathing calms you down, makes you more present, and gives you the confidence to do whatever you need to do once you walk into a room. Second tip I recommend is asking yourself, why you? Why do you do what you do? What is it that makes your eyes light up? Where does that sense of purpose come from? Because when you connect with that, then anything you say after answering that question comes from that place of purpose. So why you helps your language become more natural and confident and genuine, and it builds that sense of purpose. So first, pause and breathe. Second, ask yourself why you. Third, stop being perfect. <laughs> and I recognize a tip, stop as a tip is a challenging tip. But I find especially with women, we tend to hold ourselves to an unattainable level of perfection. Nobody is perfect. And when we fall short of that, what do we do? We beat ourselves up, which means we're constantly beating ourselves up because See previous statement, there is no perfection. So by recognizing that it's not about being perfect, it's about being authentic, mm -hmm. you will become much more relaxed when you walk into a room. And this is, this is whether you're pitching your idea to investors or you're going to talk to potential clients or prospects. People want to connect with real people. 
not with this perfect person because there is no perfection. So give up that need for perfection and you will feel more comfortable walking into a room. For entrepreneurs, I always recommend finding a one sentence description of your business idea or of your business that's conversational and natural and being able to use that every single day because as entrepreneurs, we're always pitching. And one of my favorite authors, Guy Kawasaki, wrote a book called The Art of the Start. And he says, how do you know an entrepreneur is pitching? Their lips are moving. <laughs> I think he says his lips are moving, but it's you know, his or hers. Their lips are moving. So recognize that every single time you're speaking, you have an opportunity to promote not just what you do, but why you do it, the impact it has on others. So again, the why you helps you develop that one sentence introduction about who you are and what's important to you so that when you meet people, then you don't make them play 20 questions to figure out who you are and what you're about. You lead with it, not lead with it when you start the conversation, but when they say, so what do you do? That's how you can respond with that and then create a more substantive conversation. So can you give us an example? Share yours sure. like you do at the conferences and stuff. Okay, I'm going to do two things. I'll share mine and then I'll share an example of a really bad one. Okay, perfect. And how we fixed it. So my, my one sentence introduction is I teach public speaking and presentation skills with a special focus on helping women find their voice. And here's the thing, the special focus changes according to where I am. <laughs> so if I'm at a banking conference with a special focus on helping bankers speak clearly and confidently to their clients, if I'm at an international development conference with a special focus on helping people on the ground develop the most effective communication techniques, I'm not lying. I'm not being manipulative. I'm simply highlighting the particular part of my work that's relevant for that audience. And when I do that, and, and by the way, the question I ask at an event has to be short and sweet. It can't be one of those long, annoying questions. When I do that, invariably, people will come up to me and they'll say, are you the woman who teaches public speaking? Because my boss really needs you. Or, man, I could have used you yesterday. Do you have a business card? And so I'm broadcasting in a natural, non-pushy way to the people in the room who I am and what I'm about. Now, let me give you an example of a bad one-sentence speech, um, one-sentence introduction. I was at a networking event, and I walked up to this young man wearing a suit, looking very uncomfortable. And I asked him the quintessential Washington, D.C. question, which is, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I'm not working right now. I said, are you, are you looking for a job? He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I asked him, what industry? <laughs> and he said, consulting. I said, well, that's fairly broad. Can you be more specific? He said, yeah, supply chain logistics. I said, okay, do you have any experience? And he said, yes, I just came back from Europe where I spent five years specializing in transatlantic supply chain logistics. Wow. So I said, let me give you some advice. Next time somebody asks you what you do, you can say, well, I've just returned to Europe after five years working in transatlantic supply chain logistics, and I'm currently looking at opportunities in consulting to apply these skills. Love it. 
Now, uh, and of course, you're you're the type of person who would have who did what you did and prodded him for more information. But what would most people do? They'd say, "Oh, nice to meet you," and walk off to the next person. Correct? Exactly. And I could guarantee that in that room there were at least three people who worked at consulting firms and would forward along his email to figure out, do we have a supply chain logistics department here? Excellent. Excellent. Great. And, and, and I love the way you made it so succinct because I think that's a, this is a challenge I see a lot of people have is being succinct in what they have to say, you know, get to the point, don't tell us all your problems and then tell, ask the question or share your example. Share your example. If anybody cares about your problems, they'll ask you throughout the conversation or however that might go. Um, excellent, excellent advice. Did we get all five tips? I'm not um, sure if we, we may have, the, I think I gave you four instead. That's what I, thought. I was trying to keep track of them. So what's the last one? Because I don't want anybody to call me or email me and say, Heidi, we only got four tips. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, on social happen. media, people can be really brutal these days. So <laughs> yes. well, <they're laughs> we want to make sure people get their, their fifth tip. Yeah, right. <laughs> and there exactly. are lots and lots of different tips in the book. Oh, um, I what so. I would say, the fifth tip is to practice out loud, preferably in front of another human being, either virtually or in person. Because count? <laughs> just kidding. Partially. Partially, but they were not going to give you the, they're not going to tell you if your jokes are truly funny. So it doesn't count, but they will give you love. The idea is a lot of times we know in our mind what we want to say, but we never really say it the same way. And so by practicing out loud in different ways with different people, we see what feels comfortable and we, we write things to be heard instead of to be spoken. So we, we write for the ear instead of for the eye. And that's speaking out loud is something that I would recommend to everyone. Excellent, great advice. So let's talk, we're, we're gonna be out of time soon. So let's talk a little bit more about your business. Tell us a little bit about the products and services that you offer, the type of problems you solve. I know you've, you've alluded to some of it, but I wanna know more. Mm -hmm. Great. Global Public Speaking is a communication training firm that specializes in teaching public speaking and presentation skills. And we do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching, group workshops, I offer keynote speeches, and we have an online learning component as well. And I have a team of trainers and coaches, and together we work with people to help them overcome their fear, calm their nerves, build their skills so that they can speak up at work or in their community. And usually we'll work with people who are moving into senior positions of leadership or even initial positions of leadership where they go from being in the room to leading a meeting, to taking on that presentation with a client or people who are going out to represent the firm on their own. We'll also work with entrepreneurs who have to pitch to investors, who have to pitch to clients. So working with people either one-on-one -on -one or in groups to build their skills, which in doing so builds their confidence so that they speak in a way that has an impact on their audience. And so who would be your ideal client? We work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies who are responsible for the leadership development of their team. So as they want to invest in the next generation of leaders, we'll come in and design a training program for those emerging leaders to teach them the skills that they need to effectively lead. 
but we'll also work with a lot of nonprofits that are working with entrepreneurs and leaders in the nonprofit or public sector space to help them with the kind of speaking that they need to move up in their careers as well. Excellent. So let's talk, you mentioned that you're a voracious reader. So let's talk about what books you're currently reading or, and then, or recommend. I just finished, I'll read two books. I just finished reading this book, Never Split the Difference, and it is by Chris Voss. It is a fascinating book. He was the lead FBI hostage negotiator. Excellent. And he teaches negotiation from the perspective of how do humans behave under duress and how can you negotiate in those situations. Fascinating book, and I immediately applied it to a negotiation that I was doing in the moment. I was reading the book and applying it. Um, a book that I'm reading right now that I absolutely love is called The Human Voice, The Story of a Remarkable Talent. And it is a book about the human voice. And as a former opera singer, I am, I'm eating this up. Every single line I'm, under, I'm underlining. And it talks about how powerful our voice is when we connect with another human being and how much we can pick up from somebody's voice and the impact it has on others, including on children. So I, I, when we're pregnant, our, we communicate with our, with our babies through our voice so they can hear our voice. And it's incredible how powerful the human voice is. So that's a book that I'm really loving. So, and, and thank you for those great uh, resources because I've not read either one of them. I've heard of Chris Voss's book and something I thought about getting. So I'm, I'm glad you uh, reiterated that because I had no idea just how powerful it could be. Um, you, let's talk about a little bit more about your book. Do you have a copy that you could hold up? Why, yes. This is I a do. webinar. Excellent. I do. This is the book. I'm reading it right now, so I'm very excited. Uh, Speak with Impact by Allison Shapira can be available on globalpublicspeaking.com or Amazon. So make sure that if you're listening to this program, the entrepreneur show on the podcast, that you go and get that. And of course, those of you who are watching, you can see that it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Allison. What's next for you? I am focused on making this book available to as many people as possible. So my big push right now is to make people aware of the book so that it can help them, it can calm their nerves, and help them find their courage to speak up. We certainly need people all around the world finding their voice and speaking up on behalf of what they believe in, because the voice, the, the world needs more of that kind of courageous leadership. I love I'm, that. I'm also focused on growing my business, because as a service-based business, scale is always a challenge for us when when our services are our business and so having these fabulous trainers and coaches i'm growing and scaling the business and that's a very exciting stage for me as a small business owner and you mentioned scaling and um, one of my clients and friends lauren is on the phone and she has a wonderful company called scale up checkup and i'm hoping we'll ask you a question lauren in a moment so I want to open it up for questions, and then at the end, we'll wrap it up with how to connect with you. So would that be okay, Allison? Are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right. I'm going to say, okay, since I mentioned Lauren, would you like to go first? Sir. Hi, Heidi. How are you? I I'm so great. Hi, it's extraordinarily loud. I'm apologizing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be, to be brought in, but here I am. You're here. Yes. 
I'm not any questions or comments for Allison? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I tuned in. I think, uh, first of all, Allison, um, very connected to Israel. So that was cool right at the beginning when you said about the Israeli consulate. I spend my summers in Israel and actually was considering making Aliyah. So that's a connection. Um, wow. My whole new business model is focused on speaking from the stage. So I think we should probably have a follow-up. I've developed an online web, web-based assessment tool, risk assessment tool for scaling businesses, which identifies gap areas, and we're providing them with solutions to fill all the gaps so that they are ready to scale. And um, it's exciting. Like, it's really great because so many business owners are focused on sales and marketing, and they don't realize, like you see this every day as Heidi does, they don't realize that without a strong foundation, you're just going to fall apart. And I think that a lot of them just think, you know, they're going to go and speak and sell and they don't even know what they're selling. And it's all about, you know, creating the structure and knowing, as you said about the guy that will get looking for a job. I mean, you've got to change the way you talk to people and it's all about relationships. So I will, um, uh, I will follow up with you after and, and we'll have a call and, and thank you, Heidi, for giving me the opportunity to say hi. Yeah, and Lauren, uh, we're going to have you on the show soon, so Lauren will be able to talk a lot more of her assessments. Like, 99% ready, so we're really excited about that. 100% ready. Only only, only Terry is not ready, but it will be ready by that time, right, Heidi? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we have a couple things left, but uh, but it's very exciting. I'm enjoying working with you, and uh, there's so many amazing women. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. So many amazing uh, women out there that uh, are just doing some amazing things. Is there anyone else who would like to say, say anything? Uh, Jan, I know you tuned in from Hawaii. Would you like to say anything or have any questions for Allison? Let me, uh, let me unmute you. Found many things I could identify with, including right now I'm teaching uh, preschool part-time. And one of the things that I do is, is I read stories to them, read books to them. And a lot of kids, you know, they're, they're two, to five, two to five years old, and they're just antsy and running around. And I've started asking them questions and having them repeat certain things from the book, and it's made a huge difference. Excellent. And I've always tried to do that in my teaching is, is try to find a way to engage them. But, but this, you know, I've never taught preschool before as preschool. <laughs> and so this has been really good. And the other thing is I actually had have a public speaking client. Um, who came to me because he wanted to be able to communicate better with friends. And I had never thought of public speaking that way. I was went into this model of, oh, you stand up in front of the audience and speak. And so that was really refreshing to hear that and find out, yes, yes, everything is public speaking. And um, I wanted to know if this is um, recorded because I have a lot of people I, I would like to <laughs> send it to. We, uh, we will have a, po- it's a podcast and a webinar. So Jan, don't worry, you'll get a copy. Okay, we very good. And I can share it with, with our, everybody. Our, yes. you, you'll be able to see it tomorrow on theentrepreneurshow.com. And uh, you'll be able to listen to the show there, uh, the podcast. Uh, and I see another one of my good friends and a member of Women in E-Commerce and, and I think a future client or almost, almost client. Yay. So Gianni, uh, let me unmute you. Jan, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> so, Gianni, would you like to say anything? Let me see if I can. Why can't I unmute you? Gianni, go ahead and unmute yourself because for some reason it's not allowing me to. Got it. Okay, good. I am a client. I took care of that thing before okay. we just started. 
<laughs> yay, that's a good yay. yay. Okay. And I loved, um, Allison, everything you had to say. And it's just such perfect timing because I actually have to pitch to investors on Saturday. Whoa. And I'm like, what am I going to say? So anyway, so here's the deal. So maybe you can give me some quick tips. I am a survivor of, um, of sexual uh, uh, violence, and I've written a book, perfect time, but I've been writing this for four years, so this is way before the Me Too movement, um, on the healing journey for victims of, of abusive relationships that include, obviously, sexual violence. Um, so I have to pitch this book. Um, and the fact that, you know, I would like investors to join me because I would like to get more fundings so I can market this book properly and ultimately pursue a movie to get done around this book. So like my challenge, cause you said, what is the fear? My challenge is that I have to expose myself to the world. And now I got to expose myself right now to investors. And what do they really want to know? Um, I have some tidbits of what I need to, you know, tell them, but I do have fears. I do have concerns of what, you know, what, how should I, should I approach this? What mentality should I have? Um, I'm also a dancer. So like you, you're a singer. I'm a dancer. So I, I know how to hold my posture. Um, so I know how to stand in my power um, and feel calm. Once I'm on, I'm like you. I'm like on stage and I can perform and I can do what I need to do. But to prepare and to put my thoughts in order, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, what is relevant for them? What is not relevant for them? And then how do I justify X amount of dollars? And it's just a book. And unless it sells millions, they're never going to get their money back. <laughs> you know? So you're having an invest, they're in investing in the book or they're investing in producing it as a film? And supporting me to get this book launched properly. The film thing will have to take the next layer. Right now, it's getting this book launched. Okay. And in what way is it an investment for them? I don't know those details. I was invited to do this through an organization that supports women in, um, in business. And mm -hmm. so I was handpicked to be one of the participants that can be heard to actually request and go in for pitch for funding. So it's an honor that I was picked for this. So I don't have right. all the details because I didn't apply for it. <laughs> it landed mm -hmm. on my lap. <laughs> right, right. So that's, that's very powerful that it landed on your lap. Sounds yes. like, um, it, it sounds like you may need to do a little bit more research on who are these individuals, what do they invest in, what are they looking for in order for you to find that relevant connection. Um, and then also to think about what's the impact that your book will have when people experience it? And then what you're selling is them being part of that impact. Okay. And um, I, remember, I, I remember there was a, a woman I spoke with in, um, I was in Uganda at the time, and she was talking about trying to get victims of sexual assault to speak up. And she went into a room and she said, she said, can I ask everyone in the room to, uh, someone in the room to stand up and share with me your best sexual experience. And she said, yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think anyone would. Now, how can you expect a woman to walk into a police station and describe her worst sexual experience? Mm -hmm. And it was this powerful, uh, putting themselves in this powerful question that 
put themselves in the, the mind frame of, of what that is like. Now, to, to, to put experiences into a book and to speak from that book, is, it takes an enormous amount of courage. And thinking about the impact that has on other women will, will in my mind, make anyone want to be involved in having that kind of impact. So there's the emotional connection, but it sounds like you need a little bit more information on who the audience is. Well, why I, know, I, know, I know enough that part of them will be representatives of banks, and some of them are multimillionaires who want to give back because it is an organization that supports women and, um, and people who are just starting as entrepreneurs and whatnot. Um, so some of them are, it's not just, they don't, they, yes, they would love, uh, they don't, they're not going to invest someone who's going to be a failure because they don't, that's not what they want to do. They want to invest in someone who has the plan and the ideas to be successful. But I think it's more about giving back than making money. See that? So it's a donation. Are they donating? I don't, that, that's not what they've told me. Um, I have to pitch and there will be, there'll be other people pitching and I don't know who and how many will be, um, getting anything. However, it's a, it's a two-part thing. It's, it's they're giving back, but they're also looking for the winners. They're not going to um, invest in people who don't have winning ideas. There's a particular structure that I recommend, and if you want to reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one, I'm happy to share that, that presentation structure with you because I think it can help you create this this powerful bond with the audience that will inspire them to then take action. It's in the book. It's a particular structure called Monroe's Motivated Sequence. Um, and, and I'll, I'll be happy to walk you through that one-on-one. -on -one. How do I reach you? What's your well, email? We're going to get your contact in just a second. How's that Gianni? Or do you want to give her a separate one? Because it's all for the recording, so is it okay? Sure, sure. Right. If people want to reach out, they can reach out to me at info at globalpublicspeaking.com. Excellent, excellent. Then I will get that. And, and, and Johnny, I'm happy to talk more with you. Thank you for, for writing that book and for sharing it with others. Yes, it's a, it's a very impactful book. I haven't read it yet, but I've read some excerpts, and it is. And so I know. Thank you, Johnny. Thank I you. can't wait. Yeah, thank you for your uh, your great, uh, for, like she said, your courage and your question. Thank you. Does anybody else have any questions? Because we're running out of time, and I want to respect our speaker's time. Yes, Jan, let me unmute you. Go ahead. Oh, no, hold on a minute. It didn't work. Hold on, Jack. Jan. Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say that one of my um, public speaking clients uh, came to me. She was a young woman just starting to get into real estate and hired me to help her write a speech for her wedding. And wow. anyway, I'm also a life coach. And so I, at our first session, I recognized that what she really most needed was courage, you know, confidence and things like that. And so I was more or less coaching her rather than getting right into the speech details. And uh, what happened was that weekend, an investor from California came in, and remember, she's just starting out in real estate. She's a young woman with not too much experience, and she um, drove him around to look at different things, and he got really excited and wanted her to do more with her and stuff like that. And so she told me about this, and I said, do you think that might would have happened if we hadn't talked about some of these things last week? And she said, no, <laughs> it right. wouldn't. Wow. So I thought the power of it is just amazing. 
Well, thank you for sharing, Jan. Any questions? I know we have, um, and thank you, Jan, for being with us today. Uh, and I know we have Betty on the line. Betty's another dear friend of mine, member of Women in E-Commerce. She attends as many of these as she can. So I don't know if Betty wanted to say hello or anything. I'll unmute you just in case, Betty, because I know you're on your phone. She travels a lot. Uh, and, and Betty, can you hear us? She may be on the other line. She has a company called Ladies Let's Go Fishing, and she teaches women how to fish. And it's a very cool, it's a, it's a non-profit 501c3 organization, and uh, she does amazing things in South Florida. So um, if Betty decides to chime in. In the meantime, I'd just like to wrap it up, and I want to again thank everyone for being with us today, especially our listeners who will be listening to the replays and watching the replay. Thank you. And, and especially to Allison Shapira, who is the president and founder of Global Public Speaking, and that's Global Public Speaking publicspeaking.com. Again, her book is Speak with Impact, and I hope everybody who's listening will grab a copy of it. It's a fabulous book, and I know it will make a difference in a lot of people's lives. I'd also like to take a deep breath. <laughs> and, pause and breathe. Yes, pause and breathe. Thank everyone for listening in on the show today, and tell you a little bit about our next program, which is the three steps to collect your first 100 email subscribers on your website, minus annoying pop-ups. And her name is Lindsay Morando, and she's director of marketing with Hello Bar, which is a very cool tool that you can add to Google, your Google browser or, or any of your browsers. And so be sure to look out for that invitation. That's going to be on the 16th of October, I believe. And again, I wanted to reiterate how great it was to have you on our show again today, Allison. Thank you for it, taking time. It was my pleasure. And, uh, and people can also download a free chapter of the book if they go to globalpublicspeaking.com. So visit the website and you can get a free chapter of the book. Excellent. So again, I'm Heidi Richards Mooney, founder of Women in E-Commerce. It's been my honor to host today's show. And you can learn more about Women in E-Commerce by, by visiting WECAI.org. Bye, everyone. And thanks again, Allison. Have a great afternoon. Thanks so much. My pleasure.